Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it's Tom here. Just wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon you can get on for $3 a month and you get bonus episodes every week. And if you sign up for the whole year, you get a 10% discount. That's $2.70 a month, I believe. And we also have a tier where you can be a guest on the Patreon show. You could pick a band yourself to defend and uh, and do it on the Patreon. So get on over there. It's patreon.com slash stand by your band. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Stand By Your Band. I'm Tom Takar, the Wolf of Dog Street, joined, as always, by the Prince of Snarkness himself, Tommy McNamara. How are you, Tommy? I'm very, I'm very good. I'm very happy to be here. Episode 200. A lot of people said we'd never hit 100, and look where we are now, huh? (laughs) It turns out if you don't mind making very little money, you can do (laughs) a podcast as long as you feel. Um, But get on that Patreon, people. $3 a month. Um... I uh, I saw something on the way here that changed my life uh, on the way back from the uh, playing basketball today. I saw a, a van that said "Praise Jesus." <laughs> the J was just fully gone, so <laughs> I have a new Lord in my life. Uh, I'm gonna try out Jesus and see how that goes. Uh, and I'm thanking Jesus for the guest that we have today. <laughs> We're very excited uh, for our 200th episode. We decided to bring out the big dogs, pull out the big guns. We got Todd Barry here today. What do you? How are you, Todd? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Uh, is it a, a rooster? A pick? A painting of a rooster? That again? is a painting of a rooster. It is uh, the only art that I've ever been moved by, and uh, I decided to put it in my home. Uh, the people at home. You may have seen this in in some videos we posted, but uh, I have a, a rooster who's very inquisitive looking. He uh, he has a look in his eye like he wants to know what you're up to, and uh, I just I really like him. What, what do you think about this rooster, Todd? Oh, I, I like it. It's, it's very striking. So everything else is white, <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you have this rooster picture. It pops. Yeah, it's uh, something that my fiance does not want to be a centerpiece of our home any longer. How once. much did you pay for it? This was a gift that uh, it was. I it, I want to say it cost like sixty dollars, and I got it. It was at this shop in Chicago that my mom would always want to go to whenever we would visit. And uh, I, every time we would go to this little store, I would admire this painting and uh, this print that uh, I I really liked. And it was just a little too much. They had this guy and they had this cow that had the same vibe. But I liked this rooster a lot. And for two years, we, we went to this shop once every four months or so. And every time I would admire it. And then one day, uh, I was meeting my mom and uncle for lunch in Chicago, and my uncle had this painting, and he goes, check out what I just bought. Isn't this crazy? And I was like, I love that thing. 
And he was like, I'm just kidding. This is a piece of shit. I got it for you because uh, I knew you liked it. But uh, he, he couldn't. Nobody in my family likes it at all. But I. How much was it again? I missed that. It was about 60 bucks. But okay. I th- this was like 10 years. I've had this thing for 10 years. This was when I. 60 bucks was far too much for a uh, goofy uh, yeah. painting. But yeah, now I have that sort of change. Now that I have had a podcast yeah, for 200 60, episodes. You buy a $60 painting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got to get Tommy a painting cause that wall, <laughs> it seems that you've changed locations in your home, Tommy. Well, I, yeah, we used to record in my bedroom in front of a closet with a towel hanging and I would often get criticized for that. So I thought I'd, I'd mix it up and go to the couch and uh, I thought I was bulletproof over here. There's nothing to make fun of. And uh, here we are. Now it's the lack of stuff. That it looks like you're in a fake room. Like that's not a real window. Oh, no, I have a home. <laughs> what are you drinking there, Todd? Is that a beer? I'm uh, drinking some uh, kombucha that I bought on Amazon by the case. Love a kombucha. I almost (laughs) bought one for myself today. (laughs) It's a refined beverage. Um, Let's let's get on to what we're here to talk about today. Um, Todd, I gave you the prompt of uh, we either talk about bands that are made fun of that you think deserve a little more credit or bands that are underrated as a new thing we've been doing. And I have to specify that because I got a little guff already today about that this isn't a band that gets made fun of. And I know that. No, no, no. Yeah. This is an underrated. This is an underrated band and that we're going to shine a light on. And they're so underrated that even though I had heard one song of theirs, I did not know who they were. When you said their name, I did not know the band Squeeze. Really? Had not heard of them, and so much uh, to the point, I, I spent a lot of time watching tape on these boys uh, over the past couple days and uh, listening to stuff, and I, <laughs> this is very stupid, but I was watching a, ba- a concert they did recently in this park. It was really great. I, I, I loved it. Very pleasant, uh, but they played the song Tempted, and, I, and then yeah. they introduced the band during the song Tempted. I was like, that's so weird. That oh, they man, would yeah. do that during a cover because I didn't think it was. I did not know that was their song. It's not a cover. No, I know it's not now. But. Oh yeah, okay. I was, about, I was all excited to correct you. Call you dumb, <laughs> so. I was uh, corrected. Well, that was early actually today. one of the songs was sung by uh, Paul Carrick. 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 I think it's Carrick, but he he did a song. He was in a band called. Was that Ace? Was he from Ace? Ace, yes. They Mm -hmm. did a song called How Long Has This Been Going On? Mm -hmm. And that's him. So I don't know if he was, I don't think he's, he's not an original member of Squeeze, but I think that might be their biggest hit. Yeah. Was Was he? I knew by them when the name was mentioned. Yes. Was was he the one who replaced Jules? He may have, yeah. He may have replaced Jules Holland. Yeah. Um, and how long will this go on is uh, also the uh, running song of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm already looking at my watch. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tempted is great, and uh, I did not realize it was theirs because it wasn't on your playlist. So I was like, and whenever I told people we were doing Squeeze, they were like, they would always uh, name the same song, which was uh, the, um, hold on, I got to find it, Pulling Muscles from the Shell. And so yeah. I was like, I'd never heard that before. So I, and if that's the song they're all naming, that must be their biggest song, but not the case. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. That might be their biggest song, but I'm just. Guessing. I think tempted, tempted. Uh, you guys want to guess where that is? Their first song to chart in the U.S. You guys want to guess where that bad boy charted? I 
think I know. So it was 1981, if that gives uh, you anything. 25. Okay, what do you got, Tommy? Uh, well, I am feeling like a moron because I thought it went number one. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am just... Maybe it went number one in the UK. I don't know. what, But yeah, what was it? It did not go number one in either of those places. So uh, <laughs> you uh, certainly sound like a fool now. Um, it, uh, it charted at 41 in the UK and 49 in the US, which blew my mind. I would have thought that it was higher, too. And if I was smarter, I would have looked up yeah, what did chart higher that year, but I did not do that. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised it didn't. It wasn't more than that. But then again, you know, it's not like top forty is full of great songs all the time. So true. That's a good point. That's a great point. I that is say. a great point. They probably just had some wow. Michael Jackson up there, some dog shit. <laughs> um. So what is your what is your history with the band Squeeze? Were you into them from the jump? What's what's the what's the story? Well, I guess it would be from the jump. I think jump. when I got I became sort of cool in like 1979. <laughs> I went to um uh I lived in South Florida and mm-hmm. everything in South anytime someone came to South Florida like New York, everyone comes to New York. You don't mm-hmm. even you find out you missed a show. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like every about. day you could miss but something. There, if like you know, this I went to see Blondie and a band called Rockpile, which is Nick Lowe and Dave Edmonds and a few other guys. Um, and that was it was a place called the Sunrise Musical Theater, which is where I ended up graduating high school, actually. Mm. But um, it's sort of outside of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and suburb, like in the middle, far like in this almost in the woods, practically. There was no woods, but it was just in a big field, and all of a sudden there was this little fourth this four thousand seat play. So after around that time is when I started getting into like British power pop and and things like that. Although Blondie is not a British band, but Rockpile was. But and then oddly enough, I have a this is my one squeeze encounter. I uh I just looked up they played the same place in nineteen eighty eight. Mm-hmm. The Sunrise Musical Theater. I just looked that date up and I was like twenty three years old. And uh a few days later, I was walking around. I may have been substitute teaching, but I was walking around the Galleria Mall in Fort Lauderdale, and I see one of the dudes at, from Squeeze oh, wow. at the information desk asking a question. And you making I popcorn over there? Sorry. <laughs> no, that's my cat in her uh, tunnel. <laughs> the idea, that's part of the allure of that, is that it crinkles. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the alert. It really <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> if she starts using the wheel behind me, that's going to get crazy. Loud, but, uh, Game over at that point. <laughs> uh, so anyway, she hasn't used this tunnel in a while. Also, she's like, "Oh, I, this is a good time to start." <laughs> she's being cute now. She's just sitting in it. All right, just stay right there and be cute. All right. Um, so anyway, I saw someone from squeeze who I thought was Chris Difford. Like I'm mm-hmm. usually good about that kind of thing. Like I know either I'd say, I don't know, or I know who a band member is or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw him going to a bookstore and I kind of followed him in, not in a creepy way, just in a, although that does sound creep. <laughs> I went into the books and he was sort of hunched down, looking down at these magazines. And I was like, Chris, he goes, Glenn. Uh. <laughs> and I shook his hand. He gave me a nice firm handshake. And then I just did the thing. I mean, I was young and dopey and 
Also, you don't see any. It's not like you walk around the gallery mall and see. I'm going to look for celebs. I'm yeah. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to look for power pop celebs. And so I, I kind of just started that. I did a thing where, you know, I've experienced this now, now that I'm massively famous, but they, <laughs> we're just someone lingers too long and they yeah. they're not bureaucratic. And I was just, I remember telling him a story. I go, what do you, how's it going? Do you have fun at your show? Yeah, like, yeah it was good. And uh, he goes, yeah, I'm just looking for something to read on the flight home. I was like, okay. And then I told him the story, which is true, that apparently David Lee Roth was got in trouble for stealing a magazine from the same bookstore. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he's like, oh, gosh. And then I was like, all right. And then he just kind of stood up and goes, well, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, and then only like years later, I was like, oh, I think I may have been a little bit annoying. That is so funny that you say that because I have a similar story with. Uh, the the celebrity in the story is a one Todd Barry, where when I was 23, I would have been in Indiana again, a place you don't see people, uh, a lot. And especially in Bloomington, you don't expect to see people you recognize from the TV. But, uh, I remember I was working at the hospital and I spotted you and I was like, it just was like, I knew you were at the comedy attic that weekend, but I wasn't expecting to see you at, at my job. And then I just waved at you. And then I was like, oh, that was, I immediately was like, oh, that was a weird thing to do. I, I don't know you at all. And then I was like, hey, how's it going? I'm a fan or whatever. And then, uh, and then I asked you what you were at the hospital for. And then I panicked because I was like, oh, you're not supposed to ask people that. And I was I like, I remember going to a hospital in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. You, it was a uh, severe brain trauma that, um, <laughs> brought you there. I went to a hospital. I mean, I have, gotten sick on the road and yeah gone. it wasn't anything serious you were just uh, uh i don't especially if i don't remember it yeah. I, mean, I'm just, I could have been some you know sometimes you get these random pains yeah yeah and you're just like this this is gonna be the big one and then so mm. i'll just be like oh i have 12 hours to kill anyway might as well go to the hospital and check it out sure or maybe but, it's indiana's so boring you might have been like let's check out this hospital weird that i don't remember that but i, I know i've been on the, to the doctor on the road so, yeah uh, so you told me I just said I just said hey uh I saw you at the comedy or whatever and then I was like uh uh I asked what you were doing there immediately you started to answer and I was like oh I'm not supposed to ask you that that's like yeah. uh, it's like ethically wrong for my job and I was like I'll get out of here and I just I just left uh, <laughs> I just left you in I the re- dust that I remember I don't remember the hospital I remember something <laughs> annoying me though and <laughs> what um what were you doing you were you a nurse or? no no i i was planning on uh going that path at one point but i was uh i worked in the emergency department i did a few different jobs where i was like a person who like takes your blood pressure and all that stuff or i, I took registration information and all that good stuff but uh-huh. it was a nice little comedy job because it was only three days a week and you work 12 hour shifts so i could Wait. go do whatever the rest of the time did you see um, – I'm sure I've asked this before. Have you seen Mellencamp around? So I have not seen Mellencamp around, but it, he is famously – and uh, if you don't want this in here, I can edit it out, but I say it a lot. He's famously a huge asshole and <laughs> like bad tipper type of guy who really? like eats at Chili's with his family and pulls like – this is a story my sister told me that I really love, which is that – I'm sure I've told this on the podcast at some point, but that do you know what shoe carnival is? No. It's like a shitty chain uh, shoe store. It's like a rack room shoes type place. It's like hey, hey, it's like yeah, yeah. Except for worse, it's got carnival in the name, 
and it's they don't have shit and uh he went to shoe carnival and they he wanted a certain size of shoe and they were like oh i'm sorry we don't have that and he said do you know who i am and a, a, a essentially a payless shoes. He pulled a "Do you know who I am?" which is just unforgivable to me. You know, I feel like I feel like a lot of "Do, do you know who I am?" stories are not true because I actually had someone write to me once, and they're like, they claimed I went into their girlfriend's store and said, "Do you know who I am?" Like, how would what? I just walked into a store and said, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> do you know where I am? Like, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I would say as a joke if I was in the middle of a conversation sure. with someone. But I, the idea that I just walked in to this the way I walk into stores. I walk into stores and I don't just look for what I want to buy and buy it. I go, do you know? Just Although with Mellencamp, it may have been. True. I think it's true. The only reason I think it's true with Mellencamp, if it was like an isolated story, I would go, no way did you see that. I mean, it was my sister. So you're really calling uh, – you're questioning my sister's credibility here. I don't quite appreciate, but no, I'm kidding. I, that might have even been her secondhand story. So, uh, yeah, think, yeah. <laughs> but if it weren't combined with all the other ones, people around town do not uh, do not love Mellencamp. But he did bring Meg Ryan to our town, which is fun. So there I do go. like that he shops at, at a shoe carnival. Though. Yeah. Yeah, he lives like not an. It seems like he does not live an extravagant life from the fact that you could see his family at Chili's. That's weird that he, um, like, they didn't have a size. And he, did he think going, do you know who I am? Would suddenly, go, all right, we got your size. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, oh, we have a, oh, we have a Bloomington oh, celebrity closet back here. There's so few people. It's like Bobby Knight well, or like him. <laughs> we'll turn this size eight into a size ten and a half. <laughs> We have a cobbler back there for special occasions. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I have not personally seen him, but I do. Every time I go back, I, I kind of hope for a run in or that he'll somehow end up at the comedy attic. I was just saying the other day, Jesse Eisenberg lives there now and he, he yeah, goes he, to the I attic show, sometimes. I did a show with him there. Oh, That's really? Wow. Benefit. Yeah. 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 The old. Yeah, I know him. Um, do, you know, do you know who we are? No. <laughs> uh but yeah it's uh yeah quite a quite a town though um it's weird that we have just a celebrity that lives there though um we should we should listen to some music here i want to get into some of this playlist oh is that the way we do it i don't know how this works we'll just so we'll just play some clips of these songs and go and go down and uh talk about why they're on here and uh all that good stuff i did so basically the idea is that we're for people who don't know this band or for people who maybe question why this band, uh, they, they don't think that this band deserves any more success than they get. This playlist is kind of a way to, a way in for them, uh, a way to okay. check them out. And, uh, yeah, I left off tempted just cause I thought it was so played. I thought yeah. it was more interesting. To- I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, so tell me, so this is a new cable here that I got. So let me make sure you guys can hear what I'm, uh, what I'm playing here. Whoops. All right, so this is uh, pulling muscles from the shell. Yeah. Can you hear that? Oh, hell yeah.
Yeah, it's just such a like smart person song without yes. being pretentious. Yeah. Like no way a dummy could have written that song. <laughs> no dummies talking about William Tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just like witty although I mean yeah, I mean witty smart pop. Yeah. It seems like by all accounts Chris Difford is a brilliant lyricist and I loved a lot of like I like I said, I watched an hour long concert last night and had a great time. Wow. Um I feel like I don't know if you're gonna like this comparison, but I I, I thought earlier I, they felt like a smarter uh, bare naked ladies to me a little bit because they're very silly, but also a little bit deeper with the lyrics. You know, that's funny you should ask that because I got asked to be on a bare naked ladies podcast, and I sort of said I'd do it, and I, I still haven't gotten back to them. It's been months, but uh, wait, I a should, bare naked I ladies get back to them. When you say a bare naked ladies podcast, do you mean like a Stephen Page? He's doing a podcast, no, or no, like no, it's a, a, a podcast about the bare naked ladies. Ah, I asked I her to do, and I was like, I don't. I mean, I have a. I actually have a couple of bare naked ladies stories, but oh, not even we, not really big stories. But um, this is the this is. I mean, that's the podcast to tell it probably. But we're gonna hijack that because <laughs> uh, we talk about bare naked ladies a lot. On here. Up, but, all um, right, all right, fair enough. But it just reminded me that you said bare. I think that yeah, they, I think bare lady naked ladies are a little jokier maybe sure sure i hate to, maybe that's insulting <laughs> i've got no beef with the bare naked <laughs> on the record no we, yeah but i think that's i mean that's an interesting way i don't know musically do you think you think musically they i don't think bare? musically necessarily except for uh like i don't think yeah i don't think they sound so much like them but i just think they have a similar vibe of like we're kind of funny like in all the interviews I watched of them, they're funny guys. I I, I like yeah. to watch them talk, and they have a sense of humor about their lyrics. Uh, I and they even say like, yeah, a lot of our songs are kind of a joke, but um, oh. and that feels bare naked ladiesy to me. Um, and they're just kind of harmless guys. Like none of them seem like assholes. They just seem kind of silly, and like they just want to make fun music. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're quite as fun with a capital f right 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 it's still fun but i i mean they are fun <laughs> sure um they're not like bare naked ladies fun <laughs> but equally as fun just in a different way how about that there we go there we go uh according to squeeze lyricist chris difford this song was inspired by a vacation uh that his parents sent him on to margate which is a seaside resort in kent england Difford told us we stayed in the caravan at a holiday uh, at a holiday camp. There was a club there where bands played, and the song reflects that atmosphere of the traditional working class get away from it all weekend. It was the first time I had really looked up into the sky to see what it was like. It was a beautiful dark sky and felt amazing to be away from London. I remember there's a reference to Harold Robbins' paperback in that song somewhere. Yeah, which that's I would like. <laughs> That's definitely not. Uh, that's definitely a smarter uh, yeah, lyric yeah. Than you're used to hearing. Um, yeah, some people thought the song uh, was a was about something uh, dirtier than it was, but it sounds like it's not. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, oh, uh, this. What's that? They thought that was a euphemism. For yeah, something. yeah. It says here. It says so, this is on Song Facts, but it says some listeners thought this song was about masturbation. After all, he was completing his holiday behind the chalet. What else could he be doing back there? Get your heads you know, out of the gutters, God, people. When you're here, it's just what all are you supposed to do? <laughs> not a beautiful home. It's, uh, it's a place for people to jerk off that's, outside. That's the truck stop of the UK. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right, let's uh, let's keep going down this list here. Uh, the next song we have is uh, another nail in my heart. So turn this bad boy up. I love that song. It's a good song, right? That's a fun song. And apparently Difford doesn't really like the lyrics, but uh, I think it's great. What does he say about that? It's, he just said, it just says Difford has uh, expressed disappointment with the lyrics on this song, though he praised Tilbrook's solo, which the solo is sick, but yeah. I like the lyrics. I think it's good. I like there's some good cymbal crashes in there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, a, that is a sick song. I like that one a lot. What does it mean, though? <laughs> I mean, I think that one's a little more direct than mm-hmm. than uh, pulling muscles. Wait, what was the other one? Yeah, pulling, pulling muscles, muscles from a shell. Yeah, I think is. I mean, another nail from my heart is pretty. I think self. <laughs> yeah, the topic, as usual, is a cocktail of love lost uh, and heavy drinking, culminating in the memorable chorus. And here in the bar, the piano man's found another nail for my heart. Just a simple drinking song. I like that. <laughs> Crack a kombucha and put that on. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, song three here is uh, Vicky Verky. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Let me skip forward a little bit.
Berkey Berkey. What a song. What a story. Yeah, I love that. Um, I don't know if that solo is like a harpsichord or a clavichord or something. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what that is. Keyboard. Mm-hmm. But I, I love that song because it, it's got an interesting song structure and it's just kind of like, it seems like it's about to kick into a chorus and then it just goes another round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an expert in talking about songs, but um, it's definitely a different song structure. But I love, I think that's like a song on every uh, every mixed tape or CD that I've made for someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I put that on there, it means I like you and, <laughs> and you're going to break up with me. <laughs> I like to put as many songs that include abortion into <laughs> playlists. Oh. <laughs> Is that about abortion? There's a, that's what all the song meaning stuff. So I was reading people arguing about the uh, meanings uh, behind this song and uh, well, now it's disappeared. Um Let's see here. It's uh, two different people were like, uh, the the first comment is, uh, this is from Just a Phase. It says, great song. It's about this young girl and her older, older boyfriend, and they love each other. They decide to have sex, and she gets pregnant. He's away at the military and gets a letter about it and how she's getting an abortion. And by the end of the song, they still love each other. And then... Uh, yeah, the, there's another comment that also echoes that. I don't think the word is quite in there, though. <laughs> The word abortion is not. Yeah, I don't out. think they. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they spell that out in there. Well, the title makes it so clear. Yes, Vicky Berkey. <laughs> you just know. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that there's something really uh, passionate about that song, mm-hmm. which is why I've shared it with so many women around the world. <laughs> <laughs> so many women have received a letter in the mail <laughs> from Todd Perry. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> That's uh that's that's very interesting. Uh you still make it do you make a playlist for a lady this in this day and age? It feels like that's kind I of I, I have in the past couple of years done it. Um Do you do you make a CD for them or do you just like give them oh, a God, playlist no. from uh I remember, Spotify? Man, do you remember making tapes? I don't know if that's before your time. I made myself I was too young to make anybody else a tape, but I would, I you know what? I made my mom a tape for Mother's Day, but like when oh. I was a kid, uh but by the time I was uh, cooking, you know, uh, you know, in my thirties or whatever, I started. I was giving women CDs. Yeah, you used to have to. I mean, with cassettes, you used to have to like write down the song length and yeah. just like. And the idea was like, because if you ended up with like a minute and a half dangling of dead air, you're like, fuck. Yeah, it was but quite a like puzzle of love. Like, oh man, this, this is a three minute song, and there's three minutes and ten seconds left. <laughs> That is interesting that you'd put this on uh, a song for, or a tape for somebody that you liked. Because I, speaking of bare naked ladies, I would throw Jane on every one of those. Uh, really? Yeah, it was a little too on the nose, I'd say. Uh, and honestly, well, doesn't was, even was the woman sense. named Jane? No, never, never liked a woman named Jane. Not in the love capacity, or even just liking them. <laughs> Keep Jane's That's out of my life. Weirdly, one of my I like that name, Jane. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good That's name. Fun. It's just no woman yeah. deserves it apparently, because I haven't met a good one. <laughs> just kidding. We've had Jane's on this show. Oh yeah, that's true. There's a good uh, origin story for this band that I found when I was doing my little research, which is that uh, Chris Difford uh, says that 
he stole money from his mom's purse to put a card in a in a candy shop window to mm-hmm. advertise asking a guitarist to join his band, even though he he didn't actually have he a didn't band. have a band. He was lying. Songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Glenn was the only person who responded to the ad. And that's funny that he would put that ad up, and it's kind of shaky. And then it's like the guy's actually super talented. Yeah. Yeah. It all worked <laughs> yeah. out. Really good. <laughs> Glenn was working on music with maybe Jules or somebody I was reading about before the, before he met. So the, like two of the guys met with uh, with uh, Difford, and then but he uh, Glenn was like, yeah, I could never write songs with this other guy. And then I read Difford's lyrics, and I was blown away. Um, which makes sense. I mean, they're they're very uh, they're very good lyrics. Um, speaking of great lyrics, I think we should jump to another song because we got three more here. So let's, uh, let's hear Black Coffee in Bed. Just a great title, by the way. Yeah, this is a good song. I think Elvis Costello sings background on some part of that song. Oh wow! Yeah, he also does on uh, "Tempted," right? He does oh, a verse in that. He does a verse on "Tempted," I believe. Yeah, maybe it's tempted. Uh, but that might be true of this one as as well. Um, what a great breakup song! Yeah, that's. I mean, just right off the bat, "Staying on My Notebook," where your coffee cup was. Woof. Yeah, that's heavy duty, right? That's heavy stuff, man. I wasn't ready for all that time. Produced, uh, yeah, he produced Tempted. Mm-hmm. He produced Tempted? Okay. Yeah, so that might be probably the one. I saw that they did a, there was a double bill in New York many years ago. Elvis Costello and Squeeze. I was like, oh my God, that's like my dream. Wow. See those together. Yeah. Mm. Were you seeing a lot of live music pre-pandemic in New York? Um, In the past few years, I've, because I have friends who are musicians, I tend to, Go to my friends' bands shows, and then mm-hmm. I, I I will also see someone. But I mean, then you, you, you get used to being like on a guest list and uh, <laughs> the VIP section there. You know, mm-hmm. But the weirdest show I did recently, probably a year or two, year maybe a year ago, a friend of mine. She lives in uh, 
in Arizona, but she had a job working production for Mariah Carey. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And she's like, uh, Mariah Carey, like whose music I'm not into at all. Uh-huh. And I'm not slamming her. I'm just not really my thing. And then she's like, you know, um, we're coming to Radio City Musical. I, go. I was like, yes, I do. I, go. I went to a Mariah Carey concert by myself, and it was just – because I, I, I mean, just for this the life experience. Yeah. And just this people just freaking this woman in front of me was probably like older than me and she's uh, screaming <laughs> like a fucking lunatic. And she's like, all right, this is a, uh, this is a good, this is a nice treat. It's discouraging right now. But uh, yeah, it's just, so that's fun to see a band that you wouldn't normally go see, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is why I like going to festivals because sometimes you'll pop around and yeah, or performing at festivals. But uh, Right, right, right. But uh, I'm trying to think who else I've seen lately. But I do like live shows. Sometimes, though, they're uncomfortable. I find like they're just like if it's oversold and it's you just get shoved around. Yeah, I don't remember venue, Todd. Um, Bowery Ballroom's great. Yes. Um, I mean, trying to. I mean, as far as comfort, like I don't know what it's like to play there, but I mean, Radio City Music Hall is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean their their restrooms are like unbelievable. Have you ever been there? I have never been. Tape is special there. But there's like, oh, yeah, like I forgot. 3,000 to toilets in the. <laughs> Bowery Ballroom uh-huh. is great. I saw um, Built to Spill there, like right uh-huh. when I got here, and it was so fun. And uh, for some reason, I never make the trip. I feel like there's so many venues in Brooklyn that I end up at that uh, I like doing that. But I went to Brooklyn Field not too long ago. That was nice. That's mm-hmm. like my favorite. Uh, I know it's a new venue, so it doesn't have yeah. history. But Brooklyn Steel, I just love seeing shows there. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's good size as well. It's clean and it's uh, trying to think what other venues I like. Um, I mean, Beacon's cool. Yeah. Oh, you know oh yeah, I saw Sturgill at Beacon. What's that? I saw Sturgill Simpson at Beacon, and it was really fun. What is who is Sturgill Simpson? Sturgill okay. Simpson is like a modern country, but like. Or okay. he's leaned okay. it's like country rock but it's uh he's very he's very cool i think you'd like his stuff he's he's got some very smart lyrics as well i'm a i'm a big fan of him if you haven't heard you gotta check out turtles all the way down it's great really yeah yeah i'll send it over to you after this sturgill simpson we're we i just listened to a bunch of his stuff this weekend it's uh it's it's fun stuff if um, you're in the my cat i'm just giving you an update on my cat i got this thing i ordered just for because I was bored, like it was the grow your own cat grass thing. Yes, I love those. And she, and she started using it the first time I witnessed her using it was just like fifteen minutes ago. Now she's she's knocked it off the shelf. She's really <laughs> getting into it. It's weird that they know to eat that because yeah, I got right. it for I got it for my cats too, and they ate it immediately. And it's not like the I mean they mess with our other plants, but they don't eat them. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you got to be careful with cats and plants. I know. I know. Well, you have to w- like look out for which ones they're that yeah, are poisonous they, there's to them. Pet safe, uh, but we're going off topic. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also find this is something no one agrees with me. This is, I can't get people to agree. With. I think concerts are too fucking loud. <laughs> like painfully fucking. Yeah, but you're not supposed to ever admit it. You know what I mean? Then you're like, "Ooh, grandpa." <laughs> Because you'll you'll see like you know the drummer has this little maneuver they do on the high and it's like it's, and that's lost you know they, yeah it just looks like they're moving their arms 
I it's been so long now that I can't remember that. I always end up being further back anyway, so for me it's not it's not that crazy. But that might be part of it is that it's so loud that it, I just yeah, naturally I mean, I also have sensitive back. ears. But uh, but I did a show with um I know Jay Maskus a little bit. Yeah, I love Dinosaur <laughs> Junior. His manager. You did a show with Jay Maskus? He was doing like five nights at the Bowery Ballroom, and I was like, I'll do something. I'll see. I ended up sitting in a bongos with someone, a couple of band members, and I just said, and they were really nice about this. I go, I, my ears are not the are weak, and you guys are fucking extremely loud. And they treated, they were so nice to me. They got me like headphones and earplugs. I was like, oh, in. Bowery Ballroom dressing room was like upstairs behind the stage, and I was like in there, like curled up. Like, I couldn't even watch a show. Was, <laughs> the stack of amps they had was just hilarious. It was just hilarious. But, yeah. But then when I went out on stage, you could just see all these people. You could just see all the, the earplugs uh-huh. in the audience, just the different colored earplugs <laughs> lit up, day glow kind of. But uh, yeah, that was. That was loud. I saw them in Bloomington, and that is the only time I've seen amps stacked up like that. It's just. <laughs> but, God bless you, but my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an assault. Uh, yeah. Did he try to break a guitar over your head or anything? No, he's like the quietest, mellowest guy I've ever met in my life. Uh, I Yeah, he's. I, I, love, uh, I love Dinosaur Jr. That's one that I. Uh, that's a regular go-to for me these days but yeah it's been so long since i've been to a show i mean besides i've been going to all these uh private uh these secret warehouse shows with unmasked people and um, oh yeah me too those are good (laughs) i got some scoop some warehouse shows party uh all right let's hear let's hear the last couple songs here uh the next one is piccadilly let me skip forward a little bit here
I love that ending, man. Yeah, baby. Hard like a gun. Is that what it is? Hard yeah, like a gun. Hard like a gun was just half of the battle. So good. <laughs> so good. That's another Costello one. That's he produced it? Produced, or? produced, yeah. Written by Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford. I love their voices. Yeah. They're yeah. They're and they too- sound good like now. Like watching that show, his, the Glenn's voice is incredible. Yeah, is that the reedy kind of super? Oh, Glenn's voice. Glenn's voice is still incredible. Yeah, yeah he was. It felt like he was, uh, you know, taking lead vocals on most of the songs that I was paying. Yeah, he, to. he generally did, I believe. But I like um, it a lot. Yeah, but I, I like the way that song just kicks into that hard like a gun. It just really just keeps pushing it. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to the song to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know we just did. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I believe that's what we just encountered. <laughs> uh, all right, let's hear the last song on this list, and uh, and then we have a, a segment to get to. So uh, here is uh, Labeled with Love off, uh, off the same album, which is East Side Story. That song is very pretty. Yeah, that's uh, I thought put that on there because it's a great song. It's also a little it's a little different than the others. That's one thing I noticed about them. That all the songs are so different. They have such a range. Yeah. Um. They yeah. It feels like they they toyed with a lot of a lot of different styles and uh, sounds. And I I like well, it. This is this is like their stab at kind of country ish. Yeah, slightly country ish. And uh, I just remember I have a vivid, somewhat vivid memory of driving around. South Florida, going to my substitute teacher jobs, listening to a cassette with that on it. But uh, I was the coolest guy in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, he became drinker and she became mother. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That is great. That's from, uh, I think it was Difford was saying that he had been listening to Hank Williams um, mm. a lot. Oh, no, Tilbrook had been listening to Hank Williams. And, uh, they didn't want. They originally weren't going to put this on the album. Differ didn't want to put it on there, uh, and then oh, really? Elvis Costello really liked it though, and and uh, messed with it a little bit and to get it on. And uh, yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, you got to either become drinker or mother. Those are your only options. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, really quick, just a, an aside because, and I sorry if this is an annoying question because I know it's a comedy related one, but because of the South Florida stuff. After you called into Letterman, did people uh-huh. at your school or the, the or in your town go like, "Holy shit, you were on David Letterman"? I, you know, I imagine they did. Um, I'm guessing they did. Yeah, because that was specifically at a time where people were really paying attention to late night, so it would be such an event to right be I, like um, a kid and be on late and have your voice. I don't on remember late if night. that happened when I was already still in high school, or I know I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a pretty cool thing. <laughs> now I recently redid a, re, a re, new version of that one. I ended up on Jimmy Fallon's hashtag game the other night. Uh, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, that's that awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is the playlist. We have uh, we have one more segment to get to before we uh, we get out of here, which is that um, we have we have the peanut gallery to get to. That uh, the listeners of the show like to give their thoughts on every band we talk about, and um, I got to be honest, I was surprised. We got a lot of comments on this, so we're not going to be able to get to all of them. But let's uh, first we'll go to the people on Patreon who commented. And uh, are you first, on the show that we're doing right now? Not like live, band, yeah. yeah, just okay. on the band. Oh, you you leaked you pre- you previewed yes. it. Yes, oh. yes. Um, all right, I'm going to throw this to you just because this is a Patreon subscriber. You don't have to answer it if you don't want. But JV writes in, please ask Todd about his performance in the Golden Globe award-winning film, The Wrestler. I've never seen him mention it. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny I do get a lot of tweets about how people sort of taking that tone. Of like, hey, I, were you in The Wrestler? I don't I mean, you never, why don't you ever talk about it? <laughs> I mean, and the irony is, of course, I bring it up. <laughs> I know you don't like to talk about it, so don't feel like you have. Uh, all right. Uh, next comment is from Brendan Townend, uh, who writes, Such a great pairing, Squeeze and Todd Berry. Both artists I admire that maybe the mainstream has underestimated. Well, I don't know about that. But as a result, I love them both more for it. Story time, I once sang Pulling Muscles to a girl who I had a locker next to all four years of high school because I thought the lyrics said Pulling Muscles for Michelle. Uh, as if the song was... Uh, the songwriter was happy to be working hard and injuring themselves for the benefit of a girl named Michelle. <laughs> Needless to say, we remain nothing more than locker neighbors after the incident. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny because that's like some pre-internet shit where you're like, yeah, pulling muscles for Michelle. <laughs> right. Uh, Ron Trimbath writes, Winona Ryder and Janine Garofalo singing uh, To Tempted and Reality Bites and throwing a cigarette into Ben Stiller's car is one of my favorite movie scenes ever. I guess that's all I have to say. Love your work, Todd. All right. Thank thanks, you. Ron. Um, t- Tommy, do we, we get any on Twitter? Yeah, I'll read a couple of the Twitter ones. Uh, Max Power said, Very underrated. Cool for Cats is a fantastic album. Uh, Chimplesticks. Oh, man. Now I'm remembering other songs I could have put on there. But- <laughs> You only get six. Yeah, that's right. Six is all you get. Chimplesticks, uh, an excellent band. First album I ever bought was a copy of Singles, 45s and Under, when I was seven years old. They're a very underrated band from that era. Very British, so it'll be interesting to hear you guys, your guys' take on them. Hmm. Uh, they are very British. I will agree with that. Yes. <laughs> They're Do not you annoying. guys like them? Do you like them? I, I really like the playlist. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I didn't see this is the, 
We'll, we're saving that for the very last part. Oh, that's okay. that's what we get into right at okay. the end. Uh, don't jump the gun on us, uh, Todd. Don't uh, make it obvious I've never listened to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You listen. Um, well, you used to call into the podcast all the time. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Matt, uh, from your program said uh, they were cool. I have a theory that Tempted inspired Tom's Diner and could be a cool mashup. And I thought that was so funny because I always associated those two songs together. I think maybe just because uh, I used to listen to XRT in Chicago all the time and they would always, those two songs were always in rotation no matter what year. It the was. Suzanne Vega song? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just those songs. I don't know why I always associated them together also. I was on, I got a Suzanne Vega story if you want to hear. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were on a flight together back from uh, Seattle. I just noticed her somehow. We're both in coach, and I, I tweeted out something. You could probably look up this tweet somewhere. I just said, if, if I, I, I don't remember, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, if me and Susanna, Suzanne Vega are coach, who's up in first class? <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles and Chris Christie? <laughs> <laughs> But and then she responded. She seemed nice. Hell yeah! Who was up there? Um, no, it looks like this tweet has been wiped from the internet. I searched for it. I did find it. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, it's 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 from 2011. It says uh, Suzanne Vega and I were in coach on this flight to Newark. Who's in first class? The seven justices of the NJ Supreme Court and Sting. <laughs> Uh, all right. Here's oh, wait, is that all the tw- is that all the Twitter ones? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have a few from Facebook that I'll I'll read here. I, we got it. We got a lot. I'm not I'm not gonna read them all, but um, George Gordon. Uh, he says, "Can't wait to hear this. Take me. I'm yours because I'll probably be pulling muscles from a shell while listening. If you're wondering, squeeze rules. Um, Peter John Burns says the Squeeze uh, 45s and Under album was the Carol King's tapestries for my cohort of Gen Xers. I graduated yeah. high school in '86. Everyone bought that damn album, and if you refused, they'd send someone in to sneak a copy onto your shelves at night while you slept. Um, let's see here. Mary Houlihan says perfect, uh, perfect band. And, uh, by all means, I, uh, I'd love to hear you guys talk about them. Um, Jared Dryden says squeeze kicks ass. That's true. Uh, James Fritz says up the junction is one of the most perfect songs ever. That's a great song. That's one I could have added. Yeah, it sounds like you blew it here, Todd. Uh, no, I mean, I, I like all the songs. It just shows that they have more than the six that you, uh, no, there was some on the on that concert that I really liked that weren't on the playlist, and I I was just trying to think of what they were because I didn't see song tracks. I just heard them. Um, yeah. But that's all the that's all the comments I'm going to read. And uh, again, get on that Patreon if you want your com- your comment guaranteed to be read. And uh, that brings us to the final piece of this. So uh, you get to give your final thoughts on the band Squeeze here, Todd. What do you got? Um. Well, they're smart, witty, power pop. Uh, but not jokey. If you're over 40 years old, you, you don't need to be sold on them or maybe 45, but you younger folks might want to have a listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, all of our listeners are under the age of 13. So I think they're going to are all a band that's like, they're, I think underappreciated, but also more successful than 99% of the bands, you know, Mm -hmm. 
I think that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. And even in the the concert doc that I watched yesterday, they kind of made reference to like, yeah, we're just still here trying to get famous. And it's like, yeah. I loved it. Um, I I liked the playlist a lot. I uh, like I said, there were some songs on that live thing that I liked. Um, I liked a lot too, and maybe more even. But I did like this playlist a lot. And uh, I listened one of the ways to listen to music, which was driving today. And it was great driving around music. I, I really had a nice time with it. Very chilled out. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, you know, I think I got to go six out of six. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and no qualms with it. Uh, the only, yeah, I wish I could figure out which song I heard last night that it came on right before Muscles in a Shell that I was like, that, I love that song, but I cannot remember it. You can go back and listen to it and uh, Shazam it. Yeah, I should do that. I should do that. Uh, I'm probably going to right after this because I want to hear it again now. Um, Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, I really love this playlist. And I it made me think, I was like, I don't know why I never did do like a deep dive on this band because I truly love that song, Tempted. Yeah. Like the most casual thing you could say about them. But it was like, I always loved it. And they are a band that's like played Madison Square Garden. So they're not like an unknown <laughs> band. But it is one of those things I just never, I never did. And I, I wish I did. I, I love the playlist. I thought it was great. The one thing I wanted to bring up that I forgot is I watched a, the an episode of their VH1 show, Bands Reunited, about them. Do you yes. I watched oh, wow. some of that last night too. And it's so funny because I forgot about that show and I forgot that what happens in this episode is that sometimes they do the whole thing and then they don't agree to it. <laughs> it's just like a weird episode of television where they're all like saying positive things about each other, but then it's just this big letdown where you're like, oh, well, I guess that was a complete waste of time and energy. Really? I mean, the idea is that they will reunite. Yeah, so that is so weird. Where they ambush each member of the band in oh, different wow. places and try to get them to agree to do one night concert that VH1 will like pay for and put on. Oh wow! And basically, almost everyone agreed to it except uh, Jules, who was like gave kind of a tentative, iffy. Yeah, uh-huh. and then after it was like Jules uh, did not agree, so we, Damn. Yeah, did not do it. What and caused it so their breakup? The episode, and it's like, oh man. <laughs> but they, I feel like they are technically still together on some level. They are. Well, they did. Yeah. yeah, they did reunite after that, which is so funny that they didn't do it for the show. And then like <laughs> they put out like two albums since then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that is interesting. I forgot. I meant to read about their breakup and I just forgot to because I just watched a thing that was pretty recent. So I was like, well, they clearly got back together. And yeah, they talk so nicely about each other, except for when they're being silly and they say that they came up with every idea for the band or whatever. But uh yeah, the way they the Glenn and uh and uh what's his name? Um Chris. Chris talk about each other. It's such mutual respect and it's like you really have to have that to make it that long, which is why I think our podcast is probably going to end within the hour. It's going to be your last episode. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Todd, you also get to rate this playlist out of six because it's six songs. Well, I picked it. I'm going to go six. <laughs> Not everybody does. Uh, all right. This has been so fun, Todd. Is there anything you want to plug on the way out? Um, I mean, I just have my Netflix special that's been there a while and Amazon Prime has a few specials. Mm-hmm. And then I got some tour dates, which hopefully will actually yeah. happen. I think they're happening. I think uh, we're on the back end of this uh, this thing. Okay, as long Trump. as touring. <laughs> I think by Easter, it'll be over. <laughs> by last Easter. Yeah, by last Easter, we're done. In the Easter before last Easter. Uh, well, yeah, check out Todd's uh, tour dates. Um, yeah, I have, I have a couple uh, coming up. I'll be at Mohegan Sun. Uh, April 22nd to the 24th in the DC Improv. Um, 
I think that's also like the 20th to the 22nd or something like that. So I'd love to see you guys in D.C. That's going to be fun. I'll be in Texas uh, um, at a Trump rally or something. And uh, um, I'll I'll be at Houston Riot in, I think, June 19th or or 20th and uh, Louisiana as well. Uh, Tommy? You got anything? Yeah, uh, this is uh, an exciting thing that is just officially on the books. Me and Luke Mones are going to bring back our old show, which, which Todd, you popped Hell into yeah. once. If, uh, <laughs> you remember we used to do in the East Village, but we're doing it at the outdoor of the Bell House. Uh, oh, amazing. Show, oh, wow. May 15th. Very excited for that. May 15th, Saturday night, 8 p.m. And uh, we're going to have a great lineup, and I can't wait for that first like real thing on the books that I'm very excited about. Yes, that's awesome. Cool, man. Um. Oh yeah. Good God is back too. Sultan Room. Uh. It's uh May twenty second or no April twenty second and May sixth. I think so. Get out to that too. All right, guys. We're out of here. Thanks so much, Todd. Uh, keep keep it crispy. Bye.